That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right, all right. All I think right. We, we got it. Okay, testing one, two, three. Awesome. So I never got these intros right, so we're going to see if I can get it right this time. Welcome, everybody, and we're back once again with another episode of That's What I'm Talking About, or That's What I'm Saying. I never know. I never know. People uh, always have to remind me. Um, I, have a, I have a mystery guest today who's a fancy friend and a former colleague, uh, and so we are here sitting uh, in the Back Bay area of Boston, in Boston Common. This is interesting because I'm talking to one of the most Boston people I know. My friend Devin is a fancy pants. Can you do me a favor and say uh, a little bit about what you do in your day job? Sure, my name is Devin Cole. I'm the head of partnerships at WorkBar, which is a, a co-working network in Boston with 10 locations. And as head of partnerships, it's my job to find uh, people and companies that want to create programming, want to create uh, partnerships that benefit our members and want to think creatively and, and put that creativity to use in interacting with the membership that we have at WorkBar. So it's a lot of events. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of finding new resources and bringing them to the members that we have. I'm not sure if you remember exactly how we met. Do you remember at all how we met? I don't. You're one of the people that I know in Boston where I just can't pinpoint exactly where we met because we met so many times. And it's, it's possible that it was something to do with Boston calendar at work bar, but I don't think so. I think it was before that. I, I don't know. Sure answer, I don't know. No. Yeah. I'm the same way. So there are so in your case, uh, your name preceded me meeting you. So I knew who you were. Uh, I was a, I, I did some events with the Boston calendar at work bar then became a work bar member. And then I think the reason why we met was through a bunch of different ways where you uh, kind of were gracious enough to be part of the first year of city awake, which was a, at the time was a 130 partner, 90 event festival in Boston celebrating social impact and what's good about doing good in Boston. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there are some people, Boston's a very small community. And so especially if you're in tech or innovation or, uh, you know, social impact or government. Uh, and so you tend to hear the same name often. Whenever I heard yours, I always heard good things. But yeah, so there are some folks in Boston who you, you know, he knows everybody. Like you're one of those people. And so what do you feel your part in the Boston business ecosystem is? That's an interesting question. I don't Let's see. I think, I think going back to a role that I had in the past with an organization called Boston World Partnerships, we had a program that was built on a set of people that we call connectors. And I think that concept of being a connector has gained steam in a lot of places. It's really taken hold in Boston. So I guess I, I guess I see my role as a person who is able to connect, uh, connect people. I'm, I view myself as a connector. I bring people together who have uh, similar interests who, you know, might benefit from meeting each other and try to make those connections. That's something I do in my job every day, but it's also something that I take pleasure in and, and find myself doing outside of work too. So how do you go about connecting folks? Like, is there like a seven steps to connecting folks we can share with the audience who are like looking to become a connector themselves? So I think the, I think the first thing to do is that is to shift your mind so that you're thinking about what you can do to help people first. And that was, that's been a, sort of a mantra of mine and it's a mantra of a lot of people that I respect a lot. It's this idea that if you if you are looking out for people and help them that when you need help and maybe sometimes when you don't know you'll you need help, you'll get their help too. And so it's kind of a, a karma, you know, do good in the world, behave as you or treat people as you'd want to be treated. So I think I think that's the first step. Kind of think about 
where you are, what you're doing and how you can pull people into it in a way that benefits them. And, and I always, I really believe in the idea that the more, the more people there are involved in something, the better it is. If you can really convene a strong group of people, you're in great shape. And so, so I would say start with shifting your mind towards looking for things that you can do for people. And then I think it's really important to uh, get to know people well so that you can then uh, so that you can then uh, make connections to them that really are valuable to them. If I know that Jed is a, a guy who can uh, tell a great story, that has skills in video, that cares about the city that he lives in, and that likes people, I can use that information to uh, when I'm having conversations or meeting with other people, and Jed's going to pop into my mind for things that really matter to him. And so I think it's really important to have that focus too where you're trying to get to know people. And then lastly, you've got to actually follow through on the things that you promise. And that's a big one. It's really easy to to get together with somebody over coffee, have a little too much caffeine and brainstorm a million things and never do anything. So I think it's really important when you offer to make that connection, when you offer to you know, do a little bit of work for somebody that you actually go and complete it because uh, that's how you actually move the ball forward on any project that you're working on and actually uh, do something that's valuable to other people. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people who are very good at, um, for lack of a better phrase, getting them, getting others to like them. But the, the, the hard part is to execute on the ideas you come up with or to, to leverage the community you have to create something bigger than what you had when you started. So I guess my question is, can you share with me a, an example that comes to mind of how you um, use your fancy connecting superpowers to execute on something that then came to fruition in an interesting uh, interesting way. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I always get stumped by these kind of questions. You mean specific questions that require actual actual examples and not just abstract talk? Yes, I hear you. But would you say that you do? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, okay, I have one. I mean, we. This was some years ago at Work Bar. Uh, we have a really great event space, which Jed has done a lot of work in, and it's uh, it's a place that we try to activate as much as we can with interesting programming. I got really bored with going to panels all the time, and I, I still have sort of an anti-panel attitude because I think people are are uh, inclined on panels to agree with each other, and that's both super boring and also counter or not productive. You know, you have a, a a panel about a topic everybody agrees about it and then they can all feel great that they all agree and they go home and actually do nothing about it i see this th that dynamic a lot whenever there's a panel about diversity so one of one of my favorite probably a favorite event that i ever did at work bar maybe ever was we did an oxford style debate there and i think that was one uh, i'll see if i can pull apart the pieces that i really liked and how they came together one piece was that i was i'm part of a uh, i was part of a board at an organization called Mass Inc. here that does civic research. And we we had a, a, a event series. We were doing some fact finding on how to make that better. We actually went to an Oxford style debate in New York City as part of a like a trip to learn some new things. And so I had that concept in my mind and kind of pitched it to our team and a few other people and got some got some traction there. And then we needed to come up with both a really good moderator and a really good panel and then we had to have a, a strong proposition if you're familiar with an oxford or if you're unfamiliar with an oxford style debate you uh, start with a positive proposition and 
two, two sides argue one in favor and one against. And the key to a good debate is to have that proposition be a little bit edgy because you want there to be real room on both sides to debate it. When, you, when the crowd walks in the room at the beginning of the debate, they are polled on which side they fall, pro or con, and then at the end of the debate, they're polled again, and whichever side has moved the needle wins the debate. So the winning team could end up with 30% of the vote, but if they started with 20% of the vote, then they moved 10% of the room to their, their side. So, uh, so we, through that process, came up with a really good proposition, which was that in order to be an SEC recognized company you need to be or in order to be a public company you, you need to have at least 50 percent of your board be uh, made up by women and uh, we and so we had that we were able to pull in a really great moder moderator and scott kersner a person that i'd interacted with and then we had to go get the the debate uh the debate uh sides and so i basically used my network and was able to find four awesome panelists. The winning team was Malia Lazu and Dave McLaughlin, who are definitely the type of people that you hear about before you meet them. And they have great reputations here. They're also both extremely smart and they managed to convince the room that, uh, that yes, in order to, uh, go be a public company, you should have more than 50% of your board be women. And so that was a, that was a really fun one. I think it, it, the reason I like it so much is because it involved a lot of different types of people, a lot of really smart people, and uh, it involved kind of changing up the equation that we usually follow when we do an event. It's really easy to just fall back on that same format. We were able to shake it up a bit and it was really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think I have that same thing. I, I mean, one of the, one of the, well, a, 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 a co, <laughs> let's put it this way. One of the panel events that I did, uh, I realized that the people who were on it were all friends of mine who um, I had mentored. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like, it made me realize that really anybody, everybody knows something about something, right? Yeah. And so anybody technically can be on a, on a panel event, be on the panel and offer something that's of value. The trick to your point is like, well, what does that really do? It makes people feel good that, they, that they're not alone. That's good. It makes them feel that they have a new idea. But in terms of leaving there with something tangible, it's always pretty hard. And so can you share um, what, when you're one of your proudest, I know you shared, you just shared the example of what you really liked, but do you have like a, a proudest moment you have either in your job with work bar or in the general Boston ecosystem? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe pr proud of? So yeah, proud's a hard question for Devin <laughs> Cole. Not proud or like, or like, cause like that's too, it's too, he, he, he would have to admit that he was proud of something <laughs> and he just can't do that. So what I'm wondering is like, what is a moment that you are particularly springs to mind that you said, Hey, I did something that was good for the world and that makes me feel good. Let's see. Uh, man, the first thing that pops to mind is we hosted a wiffle ball tournament on city hall plaza. I thought that was super cool. I think one of the, re one of the reasons that comes to mind is because I think Boston can sometimes have a uh, sort of, an added a negative attitude towards whimsy and fun and we in doing that i think uh we put together something that brought a lot of fun to a lot of people and then if you're walking by city hall plaza and saw people playing wiffle ball it was a new way to look at that that kind of barren space and so you know i don't know that that was the beginning of a lot of the changes that are happening in city hall plaza but it was definitely part of the that transformation another thing that i i really thought was great uh, that I had a, a hand in was we, uh, in in 2004, or sorry, 2006, we uh, put a big jumbotron up on City Hall Plaza and uh, had a 
World Cup watch party there for the Italy-France World Cup final and had like 10,000 people at City Hall Plaza, which I, I thought was, I really, I was very proud of that because Boston was not a place that sort of thought of itself as a soccer town. And, and yet there were tens of thousands of people who were excited enough to come out on, on a on a nice day and you know watch a, a game out on a on city hall plaza which i thought, I thought was really cool I'm trying to think of a more recent example no that's a good example so the problem is first of all one you do so many fancy things two you know saying the name devin cole three times in boston makes like innovation happen or something it's like you're, you're like you're like the yeah you're a fancy pants we all know it so it's hard for you to admit that you do anything good because you do so much i understand it i'm saying it here first <laughs> so i guess the two questions i have for you the last ones i have are one you can pick to do both or either uh <laughs> you can you can choose to do both or just one can you share with me something that you love most about boston or something that you just love about boston and if you had a megaphone that everybody would hear for like you know 30 seconds everywhere in the world what would you want to tell them let's see something i love about boston i'm going to do i'm going to take that in two different directions one is an actual thing i just don't think that you can beat marathon monday i know that a lot of people have heard of marathon monday but if you haven't been to the boston marathon i've run it before and i've watched it a million times and it's just unique and special because in my mind the reason the, what i love about it so much is that you have hundreds of thousands of people who go out just to cheer on strangers because those strangers are doing something that means a lot to them. I think it's 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 a it's a celebration of people uh, trying to conquer their own challenges and I just I love that. And it really is true that when that on that day people spend hours yelling encouragement to strangers. Like it is it's a purely happy day in in many ways. So it, that's a that's a it's both an amazing day and it means a lot to Boston and I love it and I love it and I love it. So so that's one and then a dynamic I think Boston is a place that is it's big enough to be interesting and big and it's small enough I think in in attitude where you really do have access to everybody. If you want to meet the mayor, you want to meet the head of a corporation, you want to meet the, you know, president of Harvard or MIT, you can do that. And if you want to meet Devin Cole, <laughs> if you want to meet Devin Cole, I will meet with you anytime. Just ask Jed. I will definitely meet with you. But, but truly, I think people's doors are open here and that, that is a, it's unique and different and I think really cool. Uh, and then something that I would shout to the rooftops, I think one of the, one of the biggest, probably the biggest challenge that we face in the United States and certainly in Boston is that succeeding in any field or any pursuit, professional or personal, is a lot easier for uh, for certain people than it is other people. I think when we talk about diversity, we mostly, we often focus on, you know, the, the mix of people in a room and, and that's important. We don't focus as much on whether it's whether it's possible to succeed as a, a young person of color, and especially if you're a young person of color who comes from a, a, a less economically well-off background, it, it's just really difficult. And I think we need to focus on uh, on creating pathways for everybody. And and I and to me, there's that's like really pat. And I have I could get into details on what I think need to happen, but I think. Uh, ultimately, people really need to focus on uh, how they personally are opening doors and, and making connections. Tip O'Neill used to say that 
I think it was Tip O'Neill. I always associated with him, but uh, the best way to get somebody to vote for you is to ask them for their vote. And I think the best way, if you're looking for ways to open doors to your organization, to people who traditionally don't participate in it in some way, is to actually find those people and invite them there deliberately. If you do that, I think you'll make a dent and that's an important thing. I mean, for sure, uh, you know, on that on that note, Resilient Coders, if you're in Boston, yes. has a demo day coming up on the 25th, I believe. And they're, I talk about them a lot. They're, they're fancy and they're fun. But I'm, I usually I will I would say like a whole long soliloquy of how I agreed. I'm just going <laughs> to leave this this with that that I agree. And uh, I just want to say thank you to my guest once again, my friend and, co and former colleague, Devin. What did I say? I don't know what your nickname is. Right Devin, there. I don't know. I don't know. These kids today with their podcast and their video <laughs> games. Uh, yes, Devin Cole, uh, thank you so much. And uh, until next time. <laughs>